What's up? This is Brandon London, and you're listening to the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. You hear that? The Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. Let's go Giants. Welcome back, Giants fans, to the latest edition of the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. This week, we are 100% British, but absolutely still 100% Giants. Kev can't be with us, so it's Dan, Shane and producer Craig back to bring you our thoughts on our Thanksgiving Day loss to Dallas. Mm. Uh, and we're going all school again this week, so uh, we're going to be previewing our upcoming game against Washington as well later on. Uh, guys, how you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, good to uh, good to be back on here. Uh, obviously, probably not in the best of circumstances, but I think it's circumstances that we all kind of predict here. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it, that one's gone now. Dallas is gone for another season, so we've got to forget about that. And like uh, Coach said the other day, you know, football starts now, and I'm not being funny. We're going into December, and we've got meaningful football. Yeah, exactly that. Going into December for meaningful football is something that we've done a couple of times, but not with a winning record, really. So it's nice to finally have that back in our back pocket. Um, you know, it was a game of two halves, wasn't it? We'll get into it in a bit, but it it was uh, elation at half time and despair at, at, at full time. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice to be in December and have some important games coming up. As they say, you know, Football, the season really begins after Thanksgiving um, with, what, six games left in the run-in? Six games, seven games? Something like that. Yeah, six games. Um, every every game now is important, isn't it, really? Um, yeah, so it was a bit, it was a tale of two halves against Dallas. Um, we dropped to seven or four on the season with that disappointing 28-20 loss. It wasn't the blowout that many predicted in the media, Um but we started off strong with two interceptions of Dak in the first half and leading 13-7 at the half-time. The, uh, the Jonas brothers then came out and did their thing and after, and obviously they, we had a bit of a, a Jonas brothers hangover because we came out the second half and it was god-awful. And we seem to have a lot of players going down with cramp very early on in, in the second half. And I don't know if it was because of the, um, the longer half-time because of the Jonas brothers... Or if they just, I don't know, the conditioning wasn't there, wasn't right. But it was a, it was a strange one. Um, but because of our lack of effort in the in the beginning of the second half, Dallas scored twenty one unanswered, and momentum swung their way, and ended up on the end on the receiving end of a a disappointing loss. You know, our, our final touchdown, final final touchdown came in garbage time. Um, we got a bit, little bit of pride recovered at the end there with uh, Richie James' touchdown catch. But all in all, it's a disappointing loss on Thanksgiving. And just frustrating more than anything, I think, with uh, just how it went at the beginning of the second half, really. I'm not, sure uh, what, I'm not really sure what was worse, the second half performance or the halftime performance by the Jonas Brothers. I mean, I kind of switched off at halftime. I didn't really fancy watching the Jonas Brothers, but... I know it went on for a while, so like I said, maybe the fact that halftime went on a little bit longer than usual, um, did the team not keep warm 
because when they come out second half, there was a, I think I'm, I'm sure there was at least three or four that were down on the field uh, with cramping and were on the sidelines as well. So I don't know. Obviously, I don't recall seeing anything about it on social media or or anything that's been said in the media about it. But it was a, it was very strange. And for guys to be in the peak, you know, peak sort of, you know, fitness and physicality for them to be going down with cramp after half an hour of football is is very strange. Um, Craig, over to you for the Big Blue Breakdown. Yep. Uh, so here's a few little stats and tidbits from the game against the Cowboys. So uh, Giants are now 0-2 in divisional games. Obviously, we've only played two divisional games, both against the Cowboys, but they were both losses. Uh, Dallas have now swept the season series for the second year in a row and have won 11 of the last 12 games now between us two. Um, we were outgained 430 yards to 300, had fewer first downs, 26 for the Cowboys, 21 for us, and we converted three of 11 third down opportunities compared to seven of 11 for the Cowboys. Um, Cowboys rushed for 169 yards, the third highest total given up by the Giants this year. Um, Dallas ran for 176 in our first meeting and Baltimore with Lamar Jackson at quarterback obviously ran for 211 yards. Um, Jones's 21 completions increased his career total to a nice even 1,000 uh, for his career. He's now the sixth player in Giants history to reach that milestone. Frank Tarkenton is fifth on the Giants career list with 1,069 so he should overtake Fran into uh, fifth place at some point this season, you'd hope. Barkley scored the Giants' first touchdown on a one-yard run with 9.28 remaining in the second quarter. It's his 26th career rushing touchdown, tying him with Bill Paschal, uh, from, who played for us between 1943 and 47 for 10th place on the career list. He is now eyeing up Admard Bradshaw, uh, who is in ninth with 32 rushing touchdowns, so six behind. Uh Giants intercept two passes in the first 10 games, match that total, as Dan said in the uh, game against the Cowboys. We also didn't record a sack for our second consecutive game, first time that's happened since the beginning of November 2017 when we played the Rams and San Fran back-to-back. And one last one, Graham Gano earned in himself another line in the Giants' record books when he tied the franchise mark on the longest field goal with a four, uh, 57, sorry, 57-yarder with 9.44 remaining in the first quarter. As long as field goal on the road in Giants history, uh, and he's tied Aldrich Rosas uh, for the longest field goal home or away in Giants history. Barkley's coming for Bradshaw. Like that. Um, cool, yeah, thanks, Craig. Um, yeah, one thing that stood out to me, the fact that we just give up so many yards on the ground again, um, against Dallas again, and... Yeah, just frustrating. And the fact that we've lost 11 of the last 12 against Dallas as well is not really something to shout home about, is it, to be honest? Um, so, defining moments of the game. Well, talking of the run game, we just can't seem to get Barkley going, can we? Um, for the second straight week, there was he had nowhere to run. Uh, the makeshift offensive line struggled to create holes. Um, and as such, Barkley was again just running into a pile of bodies. Um, our success seems tied to Barkley's stats, and unless we can fix the running game, it's going to continue to hurt our chances. And I think, yes, he is our, our, you know, 
main threat. He's our number one guy, but it's a little bit. It's disappointing. It's disappointing, but at the same time, it's kind of understandable that everything goes through him because of the level of talent on our roster and the fact that his sort of explosive plays have kind of deserted him as well. Um, don't sort of, it doesn't look good. Um, but he's, he's just insists that he's got to do better. Um, so I'm just trying to find his stat line, his final stat line for the game. There we go. 11 attempts of 39 yards and a touchdown. I mean, three and a half yards per run, which isn't horrendous, an average, but the fact that he only had 11 carries um, seems to suggest that we sort of went away from the run pretty damn quickly when it, we could see it wasn't working. Um, talking about the run as well, my player of the game, I gave it to Gary Brightwell because I thought um, he had his best game in, in a Giants uniform. Our mate Gary, get in. Uh, career high totals of five carries for 31 yards and had two receptions for 18 yards as well. And his rushing total was only, um, was it seven yards, seven, eight yards less than Barclays on less than on less than half the carries. He averaged 6.2 yards per attempt. And he had a long long run of 15 yards, which which got us a first down as well. Um, so yeah, I, I gave it to Gary Brightwell because I thought he had a, when he came into the game, when we used him in those sort of two back sets with Saquon, I thought he, uh, he thought he performed pretty well. Uh, Shane, over to you, mate. Yeah, so the the um, I guess the issue you could call it is for 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 me, I thought was the uh, secondary issue. The struggles continued. Obviously, uh, we had no Dory Jackson this week because of the um, decision. I'm going to call it to let him build punts. And that's what I'm going to say about that one. Um, so, you know, our secondary that was already struggling as it was, you know, uh, Aaron Robinson has, has gone down and, you know, I was pleased to see Radarius Williams back and I was I was really happy for him as well when he got that interception. Um, I'm kind of a little bit surprised that play didn't get pulled back, in all honesty. Um, I don't know if we're planning on talking about the officiating and all at any point, but it wasn't overly great for both teams, in all fairness. Um, but, you know, yeah, I was, I was pleased Williams got that. Um, but, you know, we just couldn't seem to keep Lamb and Gallup and Ferguson quiet. Uh, 261 yards, 226 going to those three. Um, Lamb made some massive plays um, and we just struggled to, to to cover him kind of thing. And, you know, you've got Radarius Williams out there just coming back from a, a serious injury. You've got um, Cordell Flott out there. He's a rookie who also started the season with some some injury niggles. Um so you know, the the secondary was probably the one, the one biggest weakness we thought. I mean, I th I think you can kind of get away with having subpar wide receivers sometimes, especially when you've got someone like um, Saquon as an alternative. Whereas if you look at it, our secondary isn't really that great, and then the backup to that is coverage linebackers, which we're quite poor at as well. So. Um, you know, yeah, just just the pass defence was awful. Uh, and my player of the game, I went for Kayvon Thibodeau. Guy did everything bar have a sack. Um, he had... He was so close. Yeah, numerous times as well. Uh, he generated pass pressure on 38.1% of his 21 pass rush snaps. Uh, this was nine pressures, which is more than doubling his previous single high this year. 
and five QB hits. Um, and it was also his first career game with a PFF pass rushing grade above 80. Um, and he now has a 14% uh, win rate, which leads all rookies so far this season. So, you know, the only thing that was missing from his game was uh, the sack and hopefully getting Aziz back pretty soon. I've already sort of been hearing some comms between them saying, you know, he's looking forward to having Aziz opposite him. And hopefully that will just help maybe get him a little bit free. And, you know, you've got them two guys coming off the edge. Hopefully Aziz is back fully fit. And, you know, we can kind of get a taste of these last six games of what we could have to come for the next few years, all being well. Yeah, feel free to uh, touch on the uh, officiating there if, uh, if you want to, Shane, as well, because uh, it wasn't the best, was it? No, I just thought it was pretty pretty bad it, for, for both, really. I mean, there was, call, there was questionable calls. Um, we, we might as well touch on it. The, the touchdown that was pulled back uh, that went to Isaiah Hodgins. I mean, I know... I know by the letter of the law, but you know it's just one of the frustrating ones. Um, and like I say, you know, I thought the the interception, I thought that could have probably been pulled back as well in in favour of um, in favour of Dallas. And it was just like it was just one of them games where you just think, I hope we don't get these officials again this season. Yeah, yeah, the the officiating was shocking. I mean, one we haven't touched on yet is the phantom DPI call on Darnay Holmes in the second half where CD Lamb threw his arms up in the air very early and essentially won the Oscar for best best performance in a Cowboys uniform. Um because yeah. <laughs> it was it was shocking. Like it it's I've never ever seen somebody get called for DPI who basically had his hands in his own pockets. Like the, the, he he was nowhere near him, but um, also going back to sort of what Shane was saying about the um, Hodgkin Hodgins um, touchdown that was was ruled out. Um, there was a um, there was somebody earlier on this week which uh, I went back and forth with on on Twitter a little bit, um, and as part of that, there was a podcast that I'm just trying to find now uh, where they were. They kind of broke it down. Uh, Ross Tucker. So on the Ross Tucker podcast, he was saying, um, "You can't, you can't call that because he's set. He's actually set with on on his block, and he lets go for like a millisecond and gets called instantly. And the timing behind him letting go and Jones throwing the ball is so minute that even though people say, "Oh, well, the linebacker doesn't know what's going to happen." I mean, the linebacker hasn't got enough time to process in his brain that he's let go of his blocker before the ball comes out. So it's it's a trash call. It really is. Yeah. we. I mean, we all said at the time it was god-awful, but obviously that there's been plenty of people talking about it, going into depth about it, and, you know, fully agree that it should never have been called. And it's those little decisions that go against you that... I mean that obviously that that drive ended in, in the fifty-seven yard field goal because then we had the um, intentional ground on Dan Jones as well later in the drive. I think it was on third and twenty-two. Um, so yeah, it was, yeah, that was really those two calls were really frustrating, and the uh, and the DPR as well was ridiculous. Um, but yeah, officiating. I mean, what more can we say about officiating this year um, when it goes for us? Okay, cool. When it goes against us, there's been too many times where it's gone against us, and you know we've ended up on the receiving end of a of a loss as well. Um, your uh, your defining moment of the game, Craig. I think it has to come in the 
that in the second half, I mean, as you've already said, Dallas scored, was it 21 points? Yeah, 21 points unanswered. Um, so we're we're down two scores. We've got the ball, fourth quarter, less than nine minutes remaining. I think it was eight eight fifty something remaining. I think I think you two had gone off by this point, but I think me and Kev were still on. Mm. And I, we were screaming, we were fucking screaming at this. We, we could not couldn't understand why. But sorry, carry on, Craig. I'll let you go. Um, <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah, no, and and I don't blame you because it was lethargic. I mean, I've watched the highlights since. It was slow. I, mean, I don't understand how you can be down that much. What need and and not play up tempo and then to to call four runs on the first six plays when you really you need to start looking at chunk plays, and, you know yeah we gained three first downs which helped extend the drive but it took us four minutes to make those three first downs and when you're chasing a game it's it's ridiculous, yeah you know? and then to top it all off we don't really do anything with it you know the drive ended up stalling we turn the ball over on downs in just inside the Dallas half. Yeah, and we we go twelve plays, five minutes thirty five seconds, and we've shot ourselves in the foot because we've taken up our own time. You know, Dallas are going to grind out clock. That's the whole. They're up in front. They've got no urge. They've got no need for urgency. But Kafka going low tempo, methodical. It didn't make sense in that in in that instance. And in in that drive as well was uh, something that we we're not used to seeing very often. In that Andrew Thomas gave up a sack, and this gave up his second sack of the second half as well. And who is on who is on the other side? Number eleven, Michael Parsons. First two sacks of the season he gave up, both against Michael Parsons. Just shows how much of a defensive freak that man is. He is, but he's also a bit of a knob. <laughs> <laughs> he plays he plays for Dallas, so yeah, he's a knob. Uh, no. Look, so he's Penn State. I love Michael Parsons. I loved him coming out. I wish we drafted him in all honesty. Um, but when he comes out giving it the big one on Twitter, oh, and they told me he was the best. Sorry, how did you get on in week three or week four against him? Because you didn't exactly. And he was and he was ill, wasn't he, Thomas? I know he said he didn't want to use it as an excuse, but he had an illness leading up to the game. He was ill. He wanted to be there because he knew exactly how depleted our O line was. And just to get to give up only two sacks, I think it's pretty impressive when you're ill. I mean, most of the time when, when I'm ill, I'm straight to bed. Yeah, man. But you think that through 11 games, he's given up two sacks on Dan Jones. It's very, very impressive, isn't it? And I think as well, I mean, I don't know Andrew Thomas personally, believe it or not. <laughs> um, really? But, you know, he's, look, so uh, he's given up them two sacks. Moika's come out saying what he said. I just get a feeling that if we play them in the playoffs or when we play them next season, AT is going to be secretly thinking, all right then, okay, it's on. Come on, I'll show and, you what you I'm know, made of. And from a, just a footballing neutral perspective, this could be a great battle for the next 10 years in the NFC East. Because, you know, let, let's face it, Michael Parsons, he's one of, even though he's only in his second year, he's one of the best defensive players in the game at the minute, in my opinion, and that's not my Penn State bias. I do think he's like awesome. He can do like a little bit of everything, it seems. Um, but then, you know, you've got ATUs developing into one of the best tackles in the league as well. And I think over the next few years, that can be an absolutely brilliant battle for like the neutrals. And speaking of AT and only giving up them sacks, people need to start voting for him more in the Pro Bowl. I know, it's, just... a, I know, it's, a, I know it's a popularity vote, but for him to be, is he fourth, I think? Like, that's just rude. 
I thought he was second, but he might be lower. I mean, just while we're on the topic of the Pro Bowl voting, um, how is Dexter Lawrence 10th? Mate, don't even get me started on that one. That is just damn damn rude, disrespectful shambles. I want to know who the nine above him, man. Yeah. I don't know who he is, but I don't understand how how he's 10th. For that position as well, yeah. Name name nine inside defensive linemen that are better than Dexter Lawrence this season. You couldn't. You really no. couldn't. Can you can you name one off the top of your head? Donald. Donald, because it's a popularity contest. Yeah, Aaron Donald, because he's Aaron Donald. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the Ram the Rams have been the Rams have been awful this year. So ha- has he has he played has he been better than, than Dexter Lawrence has this year? What's Aaron Donald's numbers? Yeah, yeah, he's always going to be there because he's Aaron Donald. But yeah, he's it's disgusting that Lawrence is uh, is only tenth on the list so far. Um, but there's still time to vote for it, so let's hope he gets some more. Uh, Craig, your player of the game. Uh, I know he didn't do massive amounts of things, but I'm, I gave it to Darius Slayton. I mean, what a catch! You got mossed. He needs to be on ESPN's. You got mossed because that catch was phenomenal i mean it was 44 yards he he got up well secured the catch he was unlucky actually because he he went down on the one um i think a catch like that really deserved to go for the touchdown um and but you know he did help set up barkley's barkley's run um he finished uh the game three receptions 63 yards uh now has 27 catches for a team high 476 yards and two touchdowns he is pretty much the giants passing offense at wide receiver uh we i think it's hard to say because obviously we're not throwing the ball massive a massive amount um we're not taking the long shots even though that he can prove that he did it i mean i don't think we took another deep shot the entirety of the game, which was baffling, considering we'd obviously no, not had to remember. Sets. I think the other, I think the longest catch apart from that was, um, was that Myrick catch, wasn't it? It was like twenty something yards. Yeah, so I mean, we need to get him. I would, I would start getting him into the into the sort of playbook a, a bit more, or into the play a bit more, because potentially he could be someone that we want to extend his contract for next year because. We we're going to be looking pretty damn thin at wide receiver uh, next year, and we're not exactly uh, blessed this year. No, no, we're not. But then we will have Wandale Robinson back. I think it depends on the money he's going to be asking for as well. Like, let, let's not forget, he's a guy who took. Uh, Was it? He went from earning two point five four million this year to nine hundred sixty five k, which is the league minimum. So he's kind of betted on himself as well. So. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm in favour of extending him. In all honesty, I'm not going to. Yeah, it, it, I think we should. Than that, but like you know, I think for a guy who didn't suit up till week three, week four, maybe. Week. Yeah, was it? He missed the first three weeks, wasn't it? He definitely missed the first week. I feel like he suited up maybe the week before London game. Um. Yeah, week four. Yeah. You know, for a guy who literally didn't play till then, and now he's come in, and it, it kind of seemed like. There was a lot of trade talk about him and that. Um, and, you know, there, um, there was a quote that I just want to read quickly. And he, they asked, he was asked about asking for a trade and he said it was just the way he was brought up. 
Um, he said, like, when he wasn't, when he was playing football, when he was younger, if he wasn't going his way or he wasn't getting the ball, it wasn't a case of his parents saying, oh, we're going to go and speak to the coach. They'd say to him, well, what you what you're doing wrong and what can you do to improve your situation? And, you know, you want to talk about, like, this mentality that, you know, Diable and Shane have mentioned. That's the mentality that you want. You know, you want a case of some, not not doing like what some wide receivers have done and just going out injured all the week and then getting a trade. He's gone, OK, what can I do to get better? And how can I improve? And he, he's done that to him, fair play to you. I think you've got to take your hats off to him. Yeah, I definitely think he's earned himself a new contract. Yeah, so he suited up in week two and three, but didn't have a target. Um, first target was in week four, where he had two for one reception. And then it wasn't until when we were in London watching watching the Giants play that he actually started to contribute on a on a bigger scale. Yeah, and the fact that, you know, week five was really a sort of breakout game. He's, the fact he's, what, we're what, week 13 now? Mm. So that's what, seven weeks of the season that he's actually contributed in, in, and he's he's leading the team in receptions, leading the team in receiving yards. And he's he's earned himself a new deal. He's earned himself an extension, that's for sure. Um, Kev's played a game. Um he, to be fair, he didn't have a bad game. Um, it was just other things that meant that we lost this game. Uh, he went with Dan Jones. He was 21 of 35, 228 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions, passer rating of 88.8. He's not thrown an interception in seven of the last eight games. Pretty solid, really. And it's what you need What you need from your quarterback. Um, what's that completion rate of, what, 60%? Yep. Yeah, something like that. Um, I mean, it's, it's it's good numbers. He put up good numbers. Um, Fourteen rushing yards extended his record for the highest season total by Giants quarterback in the Super Bowl era to four hundred and fifty-one as well. Um, yeah, I really, really, Dan Jones had a good game. The most frustrating thing for me about Dan Jones was though we we're talking about the uh, that drive at the, in in the fourth quarter. Why did Dan Jones not go? You know what? Fuck this. Let's let's play hurry up and let's move the ball. That was the only. That was my only sort of niggle with him. But then obviously he's, he, the plays are being called by down from uh, down from the booth by uh, Kafka and whatever. It's just yeah that that frustrated us uh, me and Kevin a lot. But overall though, Dan Jones had a good game. though, don't you think? I I agree. I think um, one thing you do need to highlight with Jones is that I think there was a fifty fifty split of. Um, responsibility on the failed fourth down attempt uh, between him and Barkley. Uh, Barkley should have caught the ball, but the pass wasn't as good as it could have been. I mean, if he throws Barkley into space, I think Barkley's gone for a touchdown. There's just Greenfield in front of him. So, I mean, he did have a good game. There are certain decisions he does make sometimes that you think to yourself, an elite quarterback would do better, but yeah. in the terms of what we've got at the moment, I'd much rather see him on the field doing what he's been doing pretty consistently this season than Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, but that that one play though, that uh, fourth and one, which I don't blame Coach for going for it because a yard to go, you know, the likelihood of you gain, gaining that yard to then uh, move the chains very likely. Obviously, if we if we score at that point, it's then twenty to fourteen. We turn it over on downs. Dallas go down, score. It's twenty one thirteen. 
it's a it's a thirteen point swing right there. It's a fourteen point swing, I should say. So it's just that's where we lost the game. That one play, I think, and Dallas then went on from there. But one thing I wanted to touch on quickly as well is we can't seem to stop Dallas's tight ends. I mean, historically, we get, always give up big plays to um, what's his name? Oh, that that Dallas tight end, yeah, Schultz, Jason Witten. Oh. Historically, we gave up so many touchdowns today to Jason Witten um, with, to- with Tony Romo. Now with fucking Dak Prescott, Dallas Schultz is his number one go-to when it comes to the Giants, and he scores two fucking touchdowns. And some geezer I've never even heard of runs in for a two-yard score, and all four of the tight ends jump in the bloody... Um, Salvation Army, you think? The Salvation Army bit, like, bucket, and they're, like, they're playing whack-a-mole in there, and I'm like... Is there is there anything else that annoys you boys as much as seeing the Cowboys always celebrating with that bloody Salvation Army crap? Like De- didn't um, Zeke do it a few years ago? Got in it. Yeah. And stuff yeah. Like that. yeah. How how is how is that not a flag? You're not allowed to touch the goalposts because it's a it's a so thing. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure when Zeke did it a few years ago, it was a flag. Yeah. Well. For excessive celebration. The thing that annoys me the most is like I don't I don't want to say bitter or salty here, but I don't think Dallas are that good. I really how long they've had Dak for? How long they've had Zeke for? CD Lamb's third season. What have you won? Sweet FI. Like you can't even win the division back to back back or anything. You you're not that good. You're really not. And like there's just this love affair for Dallas, and that's what warms me up the most. America's yeah, they're America's, they're America's team, mate, aren't they? I just, I just genuinely, look, you know, I think C.D. Lamb's absolutely quality. But I just think, you know, but considering you give it the big and all the time, and I just think with the players you've had, I'd have wanted to, look at least win back-to-back divisions. I, I want, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I've ever won back-to-back in the last... I don't think there's been an NFC back-to-back winner for years, has that? No, I don't, I don't think there's been an, an NFC back-to-back for a decade. A long Something time. ridiculous. Yeah, a long time. I couldn't. I couldn't quite tell you how when, but it's been a long time. But if you've got them players, like like he's Dax, what sixth season maybe or fifth? He's on a contract, isn't he? If now they had him in Zeke the same same season, so I want to say that was twenty seventeen maybe. If you've had him since then, and you want to give it the big one all the time, and like you know, I just think I just don't think they're that good. They're just in a sh- yeah. Yeah, so uh, the the thing is with Dallas, right? And I saw I saw a uh, a meme on social media the other day, which I thought is I've seen it before, and it's it's so so apt for them. So the Dallas it's called the Dallas Cowboys cycle. So the season starts, they beat up on bad teams, um, their fans get delusional. It's they, this is our year, we them boys, and then they go and choke in the playoffs every time. No. And it's the same every time, every year. Oh, we're really good. We're really good. We're really good. Comes to the playoffs, choke. And then back again. And then back again. So, yeah, it's just with Dallas. I I just, I despise them. I despise them from the top down. Jerry Jones, I think, is an absolute prick. And I just, from the top down, the whole organisation, I dislike. Mike McCarthy, I can't stand the guy. Uh, Dak Prescott, I can't stand. Zeke Elliott, I can't stand. Any player that puts that Cowboys uniform on, I cannot stand. And just, I'm just sticking two fingers up to them because 
The frustrating thing is we've lost 11 or 12 to them and we can't seem to stop losing to them. But at the same time, not that we know they're going to choke in the playoffs, so it's all good. That, that's Dallas. <laughs> Exactly, that's Dallas. Uh, we are, we were, we did all, we did all pick Dallas in our uh, pre, uh, pre-game predictions last week. I was a point away. I predicted twenty-seven twenty and ended up being twenty-eight twenty. So very, very close. But we did all put, we did all predict a Cowboys win, um, which was a bit of a shame. But at least we, at least we got the game pick right. Yay. Um, anyway, we are moving on. Coming up this weekend, uh, we take on division rivals. And form team as well, the Washington Commanders uh, at MetLife Stadium in the second of our legacy games of 2022, um, scheduled for six o'clock UK time, 1 p.m. Eastern. We open as opened the week as two-point underdogs. It's now out to two and a half points. And for the fact that Washington are getting two and a half points as a road team, well, um, the over-under is set at 41 and Washington are favourites on the money line as well. So... Not looking too pretty for Big Blue. Uh, the teams have met each other 180 times, believe it or not, including two postseason games, with the Giants winning 105 of them. And the Commanders, or Washington Football Team, or Washington Redskins, whichever you want to call them, uh, won 71. And they've tied four times. We lost both games to them last season, uh, with Washington winning 20, well, 30 to 29 in September. Um, thanks to a game-winning field goal by Dustin Hopkins. And the game that we don't really like to talk about uh, in the, what is it, second-to-last game of the season, where Jake from, I mean, I, I can't bring myself to say it. If either of you want to say it, feel free, but I can't. The uh, the infamous back-to-back quarterback sneak, which made no. the Giants the laughing stock of the league. No, nope, that's all we're saying about it. That's it. Done, done. done. Not saying anything more. <laughs> God, that was awful. Um, yeah, so we lost uh, both games since last season, and hopefully we, it doesn't go the same way this year. But like I said Washington are a form team. They've won five of six, five of the last six, six of the last seven, five of the last six. Um, so yeah, so it's it's going to be an interesting game. Craig, over to you, mate. Yep, so here is the big blue opposition. Uh, the Commanders began the season two and four with Carson Wentz under centre. He then got injured and Tyler Heineke then came back in uh, in week seven. And the skin... Oh, oh, oh the Commanders, sorry. The Commanders. Uh, have a look back. Um, Heineke's led them to victories in five of the last six games with the sole loss coming against the Vikings. Uh, they are now seven and five. Heineke has completed 60.8% of his passes for 1,169 yards, 194.8 average, seven touchdowns and five interceptions, whilst also having a rushing touchdown. Um, scary Terry, Terry McLaurin, uh, he's been Heineke's favourite target. Uh, Fourth-year receiver ranks eighth in the league with 840 yards. They've also run for 125 yards in six of their last seven games, including four games with 150 or more. Uh, Over the last three weeks, they've averaged 160 yards, led by their pair of young running backs, Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. Uh, Moving over to the defence, Sunday's game might represent the 2022 debut for the biggest name on their unit. Chase Young, the second overall pick in the 2020 draft, has not played since he tore his ACL in week 10 of last season. 
Yeah, Chase Young and Montez Sweater are pretty fearful duo, aren't they? Pretty fearsome duo. Um, yeah, so keys to the game. We've got to get pressure on that quarterback. Tibbs, Ojolari, Williams, Lawrence. We've got to get pressure on Taylor Heineke because... Uh, He's been he's been pretty potent on offense. I think he's had he's had a few good games. Um, none of their starting linemen allowed more than a single pressure against Atlanta, and they've got the twenty fifth best offensive line according to PFF. Giants are thirtieth, and obviously the fact that we potentially have our sort of that defensive front, those four players, like I said, Thibodeau, Ojolari, Dexter, and Big Cat. That's a scary front to come up against, and uh, their offensive line is going to have their uh, the hands cut out. Dexter's Dexter Lawrence, second highest rated interior defensive lineman, be going up against arguably the weakest part of their offensive line, the interior. So, yeah, get pressure on him, get pressure on the quarterback, make him make him make mistakes, pressure him into making mistakes, and. You know, the the game goes from there. Heineke's been consistent. Obviously, they beat the fact that they, they handed Philadelphia that only loss as well. Um, they had a great game on that. Was it Monday Night Football a week, couple of weeks back? Uh, they, 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 they set out the blueprint to beat the Eagles this season. They played a really, really solid game on both sides of the ball. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit worried about this weekend, lads. Uh, Shane? Yeah, so for me, it's going to be um, getting the defence going again. Obviously, back in week 10, that win over Houston, uh, we were able to hold the Texans to just three third-down conversions on 10 attempts. Um, you, know, you know, if we can get that kind of uh, defence back again, then that's going to be the key for me. Um, against the Lions, we led them to have six of 13 third-down attempts with a 46.2% conversion rate. And then against Dallas, it dropped even uh, the percentage rate rose more as Dallas was successful on seven of 11. So just over 63%. Um, the commanders, I hate saying that word. The commanders offense has found a ton of um, success on, uh, has not found a ton of success on their third down. So they're at uh, 36.8% conversion, uh, which ranks them 26. Um, obviously you've just mentioned disease. It'd be interesting to see if he's, Going to be back on and you're going to be on a snap camp. We we'd imagine, um, but you know their defense, like defensive line, is pretty good. But we know what ours can do. We've, we as you've just mentioned, Dan. Um, so yeah, the key keys getting that defense going again. It's dropped off the last couple of weeks, and I think you know we're starting to see this, the side of week marking week Martindale. Wait to case of a don't care who's out there. You're playing man, Dan. You're on the field. You're playing man against Terry McLaurin. So you know, yes, boss. We 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 knew that was going to be coming with Winky. The, the type of football he's, he's aggressive, likes to play man coverage. Doesn't matter who he's got out there, whether it's the water boy or not. Um, so we could do like getting that pressure, stepping up in the box. Yeah, and the fact that uh, Tibbs was so close to getting a sack last week against Dallas. I mean, the Washington offensive line isn't as good as uh, as Dallas is. So let's hope he. Uh, can cause havoc on their line. And talking of offensive lines, uh, we need to get Saquon back on track and are, you know, getting some key pieces, hopefully back on our offensive line. Hopefully Evan Neal will be back ready to go on Sunday. Um, and uh, Ben Bredesen, 
should be back as well. Yeah, so you know, getting those pieces back in our solid, you know, the first what nine, ten weeks of the season, we had a pretty solid offensive line in place, creating those holes for Saquon. The last few weeks since we had those injuries, not so much. I think Nick Gates has been stellar being back at centre. Uh, he gave up one pressure last week um, on on Dan Jones, and I think that's a, that's a huge key to getting uh, to getting Barkley back on track. You know, we had the league's top rushing attack for most of the first half of the season. Um, but recently we've struggled and t- had 125 yards in five of the first seven games on the ground, including three games over over 235 yards on the ground as well. We've only reached the century mark once in the last four games, which was the winning over Houston. Um, they're not going to necessarily get easier for Barkley this weekend, as obviously he goes up against Washington's pretty good defensive line. And obviously with Chase Young coming back in, it's going to be even it's going to be even tougher. Uh, the commanders rank eighth in the NFL in rushing yards allowed per game and have given up just six rushing touchdowns in 12 games, which ranks them third in the league. So, yeah, it's not looking too pretty for Saquon, but I think with our pieces coming back on our offensive line to create those holes for him, then uh, it could work in our favour as well. Um, Craig, talking about their defensive line, yeah, we need to ruin Chase Young's return if he does, if he is active. I mean, it's not it's not confirmed whether he will be or not. So, you know, this is a hypothetical almost. But, you know, as we've already said, number two overall pick in the 2020 draft. He hasn't played since suffering a torn ACL in week nine of last season. Um, he is expected to make his season debut for the Commanders against us. He was supposed to make his season debut last week, uh, but was ill um, and ruled out with said illness. Um, Young had 7.5 sacks and 12 quarterback hits as a rookie when he won Defensive Rookie of the Year. Um, but last year had a bit of an off off season, which obviously ended early in week nine, had 1.5 sacks, four quarterback hits. If he is active, though, he will join, as Dan mentioned before, Montez Sweat, uh, Jonathan Allen and Darren Payne on a stacked defensive line. Sweat is currently the uh, league, uh, the team leader with seven sacks. Uh, Allen and Pierce... Uh, Alan, uh, God almighty. Alan and Payne are at 6.5 apiece. Uh, all three of them also have double-digit tackles for a loss. So we're, you know, we are up against it with this uh, defensive front. Um, we're going to need need the uh, offensive line to step up massively on both pass pro- pass protection and run. Yeah, man. I mean, yet again, it comes down to uh, comes down to the trenches, doesn't it? You know, we've we've said it so many times this year. It's going to come down to O line and D line. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a tough game. Um, like I said, Washington's defense is uh, is pretty stellar, and I think it's it's our first game in th- in the space of what three weeks against Washington. You know, we play them this weekend. They've then got a bye week. Uh, next week and then we then go on the road to Washington as well again so two games against them in the space of three weeks this could potentially these two games against Washington could potentially um, spell either a a solid good end to the season for us or an end to the season where we are in a bit of a decline and it could you know if we in all honesty if we lose both these games against Washington 
it could signal the end of our playoff hopes because the NFC is looking wide open when it comes to uh, playoffs. And I don't know, we'll see. But hopefully that doesn't happen. But I think two games come in such close proximity to each other against a team that is in form, um, it could be a bit of a disaster for us. Or at the same time, it could be a good thing. Who knows? Uh, Craig, you've got the latest injury report as well. Do you want to go through that quickly? Yeah, so Shane Lemieux, Joshua Azudu, and Adore Jackson still on the sidelines, not practising. Uh, there were a couple of additions to the injury report today. So Gary Brightwell and Richie James were both added. Uh, Brightwell has an illness. Richie James is dealing with some kind of knee injury. However, the good news is that Ojolari, Evan Neal, Daniel Bellinger and several others are all trending in the right direction. Uh, there are you know, positive thoughts that we could see the return of between five and seven starters for this game, which is a, a massive, massive boost. Uh, limited participants, Bellinger, Belton, Carter Coughlin, Feliciano, Flott, Holmes, uh, Leonard Williams, uh, Moreau, Evan Neal, Phillips... You know that's that's a lot of players potentially that we're gonna we're gonna have back this week this weekend. Yeah, man. Uh, how likely do you reckon it is that Dan Bellinger goes this week? I think he'll we'll see something. He'll 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 see very very limited snaps, but it wouldn't surprise me if they get him out there just as a, a looker. Can't wait to see him back on the field, man, because we've missed him big time since he went out injured. I think yeah, it's been it's been one one big miss, hasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Um, all right, so predictions. Shane, I'll hand over to you first. Your prediction for the game? Yeah, so I think yeah, like you've alluded to already, we we need to win one of these upcoming games. We've got we've got a worst case scenario split the series with Washington. If we don't, we've then got to split the series with Philly, and probably get get some off the Colts as well. I think really, sickly, we want. We probably need to win three of the next six to say, yeah, we're going to be in the playoffs. Two of the next six might just a little bit like a little bit of twitchy bum time. I don't know. I don't know if two is going to do enough, but I think if we can get into double digit wins, that should see us into the playoffs. Um, and I'm going to go for a win this week, mainly because we're okay. if if we're on the road, I don't think I'll be going for a win. In all honesty, but we are on the we, we are at home. Um, and I'm going to go for a win and I'm going to go 24 17. 24 17 Giants. Nice. Uh, Kev sent his uh, prediction in earlier to us. He's gone for a 20 to 17 Giants win. Um, so Kev's gone for a field goal game. Uh, Craig, your prediction? Uh, kind of very similar to Shane's. I just think that they might turn the, the field goal that Shane thinks they're going to get into a touchdown. So 24-21 to the Giants is what I've, I've gone for. 24-21. Oh, we're all on the side of the Giants so far. Is it going to be a full house? If we can hold Washington under 20 points, we've got a big chance of winning this game. They're 3-4 and four this season when scoring under 20 points compared to 4-1 and one when scoring 20 points or more. And they've only scored 20 or more twice on the road in their six games so far. The NFC is looking very, very tight at the top. Currently, as it stands, all four NFC East teams are in the playoffs. 
but Seattle are very close behind the six and five. And I think realistically, they're probably the only team that could overtake one of the other three wildcard teams. Atlanta at five and seven, maybe a bit too far out and Atlanta not great. Detroit are probably the the one the one form team in the NFC that have, have been pretty good recently at four and seven. So they could be in the mix when it comes down to it. So yeah, I agree with you, Shane. I think 10 wins gets us in into the playoffs. And I think we get the win this weekend. Uh, the fact that we are two and a half point underdogs, it you know, we love being an underdog. We've all we've we proved at the beginning of the season that as an underdog we can go out and we can win a game. Um and I think we will do this weekend as well. Uh, I've gone for a 20 to 13 Giants win. I think we'll, I think it's a touchdown game. I'm going to go 24-17. And I'm going to go Washington marching down the field. And on fourth day, Tibbs gets a sack. Ooh, like that. Like that. Bold prediction great. time. Bold prediction. Um, bold prediction. Hmm. Prediction, bold prediction. Dan Bellinger catches a touchdown. Oh, are we all going for one then? Go for it. Why not? Uh, Slayton goes over a hundred in a tuddy. Wow, a hundred! Jesus, I'm. I mean, I'm going. Bellinger catches one. <laughs> it's probably going to be the probably going to be his only catch of the of the, of the game. <laughs> You've gone for a hundred yards for Slayton. Wow. I'm not pretty cheap. Get build on our three predictions. <laughs> <laughs> see what odds we get on that yeah like it um i did make one last week as well and said the uh we won't score 30 or more in any game for the rest of the season we haven't scored 30 or more in any game so far this season so i don't think we're going to do it in the next six weeks either uh we did have one question um come in from peter joyce even peter um he commented on one of our tweets uh after the game and I said we'd answer it on the next pod. So he said, uh, this feels like this is the real version of this team. If we finish outside the playoffs, do we revert to the original plan and replace Daniel Jones and wipe the slate clean? Interesting question. Shane, what do you think? I, I, I'm guessing at some point once the season's over in February, we're going to be having a DJ conversation. Um, yeah. I feel like I might need an hour to fully explain my answer on this. <laughs> um, if we finish outside the playoffs, yes, replace DJ. And I know that'll be unpopular to maybe you, you two and Kev and even other listeners out there. So even if we finish, even if we finish outside, you know, even if we don't get into the postseason and we have a nine and seven record, you say replace Dan Jones. I just, I just don't think he's the guy. One record and say, I really, I, I don't think DJ's back next year, and I got a sneaky feeling I'm going to double up on that, and I don't think Saquon's back either. I think we're looking at two new backs, quarterback and a running back next season. That's my honest opinion, right, right now. And you know, the neither of them do either of themselves a favour when DJ throws that ball slightly behind Saquon, and Saquon still doesn't catch it. Yeah, that's true. And like I said, I know we're getting to it a lot more once the season's over because hopefully it'll be a good conversation we can have before the Giants have sort of maybe given an extension or maybe announced what they're going to do. 
Um, and like I said, I know there's going to be some people that listen to this and thinking, oh, I've not, I've not got a clue. But my, I don't know, my, my, just my gut instinct tells me that we either, ne- neither of them back, or at the most, I think we tag Saquon. The only way I bring DJ back is I'll bring DJ back on a two-year, 22, 25 million. I'm not paying, I'm not paying much more than 12 million a year for DJ. He, he's not, that. that's me. I just don't think he's worth more. Interesting. Would you not tag Jones and uh, extend no, Barkley? Not at thirty million. I'm not. I'm not paying 30, 31 million for one year of Daniel Jones. It's a lot. It's a lot of money to pay him. I know. It comes down to the fact that if we still don't really know what we've got after four years, and I, 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 I don't feel like I could safely turn and say to Daniel Jones, "Here's twenty million a year." I, I just don't feel that confident in it. But remember, this is a a new. Uh, front office, it's a new GM, it's a new head coach, it's a new offensive coordinator. Which is why I think that will be back. That neither of them brought them both in. Yeah, I mean, uh, I can see you thinking there, but at the same time as well, you, they probably, they've looked back at the last three years and identified where he's, what, where he's gone wrong and what's gone wrong and why he's not performed to what the standards he could have performed to. Um but at the same time, they've seen the improvement he's made this year and gone, actually, you know what? One more year, maybe. We, we said that lost... two years ago, and then we said it this year. And yeah, I know, I know. It's just like deja vu. I just feel like we always keep saying, oh, we just need yeah. one more year, DJ. One more yeah. year. One more year. <laughs> What year is going to be the last year of one more year? Because we for three, you can't say it for three years in a row. We need one more year to see what we've got. We 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 can't do it. And like I say, we've not took up the fifth year option, so we've not got that one more year in our bank. So then, if we're going to have to re-sign him, what's the cost going to be? And for yeah. me, it's that not much more than twelve million a year. So I'd say to him, here's two two year deal, twenty five million. If you don't accept it, thanks for your thanks for your efforts and good luck in the rest of your career. But realistically, if we do offer him that, I can see him accepting it. I don't know. I'd look, he doesn't seem like the source. Because is he is he going to get our money elsewhere? Because is he going to be a starting quarterback anywhere else in the league? I'm going to jump in here now. Yes, yes. I think Daniel Jones is better than some bargain basement quarterbacks, and someone will take a punt on him. Someone like potentially um, the Texans. Oh God! Someone like that, but but that could happen. Like the yeah. Lions, the Lions could quite happily go. Do you know what, Jared Goff? Uh, he's got a few years on Daniel Jones. We'll take a. You know what the NFL Swap is the like? Such Swap the two. Yeah, it, well, it's it's such a weird league that you you could see somebody somebody will take a punt on him as a stopgap or something like yeah. that. It, it will happen. In the terms of answering the actual question, I'm going to sit on the fence so hard that uh, I'm going to get splinters essentially <laughs> because I am in two minds on this. So. I think because this is a, obviously this is a hypothetical. If we finish outside of the playoffs, is this what we're going to do? I think it depends on how bad. Like if he implodes for the rest of the season, he's gone. Like if he if he takes that step back or he has a bad game, 
and then doesn't quite mentally recover from it, I think that's it. I think it is it is got to the point where we've got a record and that glimmer of hope just enough that this the rest of the season is almost more pressure on Jones to succeed than it was the beginning of the season. Yeah. Um so the first part of your first part of the bit that Peter Troy said feels like this is the real version of this team. I disagree. Disagree, hundred percent. The fact that we had, you know, we've got that injury report you read out, Craig. We've got so many players coming back from injury. Uh, our team is better than that. You know, you look at you look at who started the the game last week against Dallas. We had so many starters missing. Seven of those players that started that game um, were like practice squads or like free agent pickups throughout the season. Um, and no, it's not the real version of the team. Um, if we finish outside the playoffs, as a big if. Uh, you know, like we said, 10 wins and we're in. You know, three. we need three wins over the last six games, essentially. I know it's a lot to ask. Three wins with our, especially with our schedule, is a lot to, it's a lot to, you know, a lot to ask for. Two games against Washington, two games against Philly, a game against Minnesota and a game against Indy as well. I can see us getting the win this weekend. Realistically, I don't see us beating Philly either home or away. It then comes down to the Indy game and the Minnesota game. The Minnesota game is on the road at US Bank Stadium on Christmas Eve. It's going to be a struggle. But then Kirk Cousins isn't the isn't the greatest quarterback, and they 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 lost uh, to Dallas two weeks back just by thirty seven points. So you know it's they're not they're not infallible. If we don't make the playoffs, I still think Dan Jones is our quarterback next year. He's not had a bad season. He's had his best season as a giant. You know, his numbers just shy of 2,000 passing yards, nine touchdowns, four interceptions, quarterback rating of just shy of 90. He's not had a bad season. And I think that the coaching staff and the front office have probably seen enough from him to offer their, offer him that one or two-year deal, whatever it, whatever they want to put on the table. Um, He's done enough for me to be under centre next season as well. I think he's got the talent, he's got the ability to move us forward. Yes, he's not the greatest quarterback in the league by any stretch of the imagination, but we don't need the greatest quarterback in the league when we've got, hopefully, potentially got more talent around us next year. You look at what he's achieved with the talent level we've got this year, hopefully with the talent level that we have next year, he will only improve as well. So to answer your question, Peter... I think he's still with us next year come uh, week one of 2023. But that's my thoughts. Yeah. If you if you think anything different, any guys, you know, listeners out there, if you think anything different, get in touch, let us know. Let us know what you think. Um, as ever, it's a healthy debate here on the Big Blue UK Island podcast. We've got one on the side of no, we've got one on the fence, and we've got one on the side of yes. So where's Kev when you need him? Where is he? Bloody working as usual. 
Uh, but thanks for your question, Peter. We really enjoyed answering that. We could talk for hours and hours and hours about it. And I'm sure we probably will do at length come January or February, whenever the season ends. But yeah, stay tuned for that. And uh, we look forward to talking about it as much as you look forward to listening, about, listening to it. Uh, but that is all we've got time for this week. And uh, we will be back next time to bring you our take on the game against Washington. Uh, and plus, we take a look ahead to our week 14 game at home to the 10-1 and Philadelphia Eagles. Mm, let's hope they're not 11-1 by that point, lads, eh? Um, anything else to add before we go? Just good chatting. Uh, like Dan says, if you think that I'm chatting rubbish about DJ or anything else I've spoke about with my predictions or whatnot, uh, and that goes for any of us, you know, do engage with us, drop us DMs, tweets out our replies, um, get some questions in for the mailbag and like say every week, you know, like, rate, subscribe, uh, comment, review for us all, all helps. And, you know, buckle in because the next four, five, six weeks are going to get bumpy and interesting. But like I said at the start, December, meaningful football. And like Coach said, season starts now. Yeah, it's the business end of the season, isn't it? And it's time for us to stand up and, and be that real team that we are. We've got plenty of people coming back. Let's let's just go out there and, and play the best that we can play and, and let's see how we go. And it all starts on Sunday against the, the Commanders, which, you know, we've all called for a win. So let's go get that W, send them into their bye week on our loss and uh, we'll go from there. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's send them into a bye week on the back of a bloody good hiding. And uh, let's come out, you know, week 14, 15, week 15 even, and beat them on the road again as well. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, as Shane said, as Shane said, get you know to get the latest updates from us. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Subscribe to us. Um, search for Big Blue UK in Ireland. Uh, you can also find us on the New York Giants Fans UK Facebook page and get in touch with us via email as well. Big Blue UK IRL at gmail.com. We love the interaction. We love your questions. Get in touch with us in all the usual ways. Uh, my thanks as ever go to Shane and to Craig for joining me and to you, the listeners, for tuning in. Eight and four, are you sure? Who knows? We'll find out. We're signing off until next time. <laughs>